For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Welcome back to the podcast. Yes, Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, Shane Told, I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. In this case, we have an incredible front woman. Bonnie Fraser of Stand Atlantic is on the show. A newer band just put out their second album. It's called Pink Elephant. Oh, it's a banging record. It is super, super good. And people are starting to take notice. I'm sure you've heard about this band. Maybe you haven't, though. If you haven't, make sure that you go after this is over and you listen to their new album. And just listen to their old record, too, because it's also awesome. And I was so stoked to have Bonnie on the show Speaking of being stoked, I'm excited for this weekend, this Friday, September 25th, my band Silverstein, we're playing actual live music upon a stage. It's socially distanced. You have to stay in your car. It is a drive-in show. It is in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada, about an hour from Toronto. If you are in the GTA, that stands for Greater Toronto Area, not Grand Theft Auto, you gamers out there. If you're in or anywhere in Southern Ontario, actually, it doesn't have to be just Toronto, come out, come hang. You can buy tickets online. You don't even have to do anything. You can stay in your car the whole time. We have these awesome 40-foot video screens on either side of the stage. You're going to see everything, and we have FM broadcast piped right into your car's stereo system. I'm really excited, though, just to be able to get up there again and do it because it's been six months of, well, 
as far as live music is concerned, hell. So yeah, check it out if you're in Canada. Sadly, I would love it if Americans from upstate New York or Michigan or Ohio or Pennsylvania could come. But you can't get across the border. The border is still closed, which sucks, but I don't know. Hey, what can we do? Hopefully, we're on to some progress, and this is the start of lots of cool live stuff. However, we have to do it. It is what it is. I want to remind you, you can always get in touch with me. Of course, you can send me an email, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. If you want to help out the show, you can write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. You can tell a friend, tell a loved one, keep that word of mouth going. That is so important. But if you really want to help, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club for as little as $6 a month that gets you in. And it is what keeps this show free coming at you every single week. But you get perks. You get bonus episodes, bonus content, merchandise, and access to an incredible community of the sinners from all over the world. We're like almost at 500. This is a really, really awesome group. You're going to make friends. You're going to enjoy it. And it really does help this. Just keep going, you know, for almost five years. Can you believe that? We're coming up on five years. Thanks to all the members of the All Access Club. You guys are the best. So check it out. The link for that, by the way, is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Well, I guess that's about it. Let's get into it, shall we? Here is my conversation with Bonnie of Stand Atlantic. What's up? I am all good. Oh wait, that, I'm eating. I was eating breakfast. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's could, very early there. Yes. Could not answer your question that I'm, I had a huge brain fart. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I assume some kind of Vegemite or something. Oh yeah, I was. Good yeah. guess. Yeah, that's all you guys eat. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, I'm weird though. I have Vegemite and then I put honey on the top. I think because it like makes it sweet instead of like 100% salt. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't do Vegemite. One of my best friends is from Australia and he's always got some, like I live in Canada, but he's from there and he's always got some in his cupboard and it's like, no, dude, I can't do it. It's, I just, I don't get it. Have you done it the right way though? Have you put like the ratio between butter and Vegemite needs to be like nine to one. <laughs> like you need so much butter. I think that's see that that right there proves that it sucks because <laughs> you know what I mean. Like no. yeah, because because if something needs needs like butters butter makes everything good. You could yeah, put nine true, parts actually. butter, one part shit, and it would be pretty good. <laughs> As long as there's butter. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, well, thanks for doing this. Uh, I, I'm glad you're up and Adam and uh, I didn't wake you up or anything. No, no, you're all good. Thank you. It's Tuesday night here, Wednesday morning there. So the future is probably treating you pretty good. Uh, yeah, so far. My cat keeps trying to eat my breakfast, which is really weird. 
but uh, other than that, I'm all good. Yeah, that's that's not weird to me at all. My cat is constantly <laughs> trying to eat any food I ever bring out. It's so weird. And then you try and like give them some and they don't even want it. It's like, just bugger off. Like you're oh, no, just annoying not, me. Oh, not my cat. My cat's on like a really regiment diet with an automatic right. like feeder. So three times a day, the food comes at the same time because yep. the, the cat was a bit heavy for a while. Big boned, <laughs> big boned. So, uh, Fluffy. <laughs> right. So then, yeah. you know, because of that, I think that the cat is just like obsessed with food. Like it's, it's not probably not overly healthy. So it it can be really bad. Probably the funniest moment was, you know, got home from the grocery store, put a bunch of stuff on the kitchen table, you know, put most of it away, but I left a loaf of bread on the kitchen table, like a regular loaf of bread, sliced loaf of bread in like Wonder Bread or whatever <laughs> Americans eat, you know, I don't know what you brand you have in Australia, but you know, the typical in a plastic bag sliced bread yep. loaf in the middle of the table. So yep. I don't know. I walk away, I do some other shit. I'm I'm probably gone for thirty minutes maybe because I didn't put the bread away. And yep. <laughs> the cat ate like a third of the loaf, jumped up on the oh, table and ate it my. right through the plastic bag. Oh my, I can't say I don't relate though. I can't say that I don't relate. But actually there's been times where like we've left bread out as well and um, the cat will just like, it nibbles at the plastic, gets through the plastic and then just like nibbles on a couple of slices and it's just like, mate, you've just, now we can't eat those slices right. and you've just ruined it. No, no, no. But yeah, it's weird. They're like attracted to bread. No, my cat goes to town. Like there's no, mm. it, it would have probably eaten the whole thing. And then of course it, vomit, so it vomited up all over the house too, but hey, that's a whole nother. Of course. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> Anyway, hey, uh, I got Bonnie from Stand Atlantic on the podcast, and this is really cool. You have put out a really, really fantastic album, what, just a couple weeks ago now, Pink Elephant. This album kind of blew everybody's mind, uh, including mine, and thank (laughs) you so much for putting out that record. Um, how's How's it feeling now that that's finally out? Well, thank you for listening, first off. Um... Uh, it feels really good, but also super strange that we're not on tour right now. Like, it's like you release the album and it's like chaos for like a week or two. And then you just sit on your butt and watch Netflix again. Like, okay, I'm kind of bored of this now. Um, yeah, it's super strange. I think, um, but we are like insanely, insanely grateful that we were able to have the success that we did have from it because I think during this time like we didn't expect anything and then we managed to like chart and stuff and people seem to really enjoy it so that is just makes it all worthwhile right well well, putting out an album during a pandemic I mean of course this is the first pandemic we've had in like a hundred years. So, you know, yeah. you know, this is like the first time this has ever happened, but you know, I know you rolled out a lot of singles beforehand, probably more than you sure. were going to. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't tour it, it just this whole thing. Like you're talking about the record being like, it went really well the same way that we would talk about a record that came out like five years ago. And it's just two weeks old. Like people are just discovering this album. You know, it's so weird. And you know, are, is you, you know, mentally, are you already on to the next thing? Like, or yes. <laughs> you are. Okay, okay. Um, kind of. Like, I think 
it's always the kind of same, like you finish writing the the album or like mastering it, whatever. Like you get to some kind of stage in the process before mm-hmm. it's released where you're already trying to start and think about the next one. Um, and it's fucking like, it's a lot of pressure it feels like because – I mean, it's like you just never stop and like you feel like you think there's going to be like a massive relief when the album is done or like it's released and you can like, right, I can chill for a bit, but like it just doesn't happen. Hmm. (laughs) Um, And I think it's important to kind of like obviously like take some rest in in some way and like just chill and, you know, take back your time. But um, I think it's super important to keep like ideas flowing and keep the engine oiled if that makes sense um no totally so yeah yeah um and also i think album three is a is a super important record so yeah i'm I'm already like writing and trying to think of like which way we want to take it and um yeah everything's kind of still as full swing as it could be (laughs) from in a pandemic right well that's the thing you know a lot of downtime i mean i heard you were stuck like you, you came back from the UK. I'm not sure when exactly, but you were, you had to like quarantine in yeah. Australia, like in a hotel for like a week or something. When was that? I sure did. Um, it was, yeah. So I had to come back to Australia, unfortunately. Um, and I was like, yeah, they quarantine you here for two weeks. Um, oh, it was two and, weeks. Yeah, it was, oh, wow. Yeah. Two weeks in a, in a freaking travel lodge. And it was, it wasn't too bad, if I'm honest. I quite <laughs> enjoyed it. I feel like I haven't had alone time in a long, in like ages. So being able to kind of be there with my thoughts was nice in a way. Um, but I do wish I was allowed outside and had a window that opened because <laughs> I did not have fresh air for two weeks. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah, that part would yeah, be that- tough. Yeah, it was you, you would think they'd have some kind of control, like a controlled, like, okay, you can walk outside come out like, yeah pr- like prison you know yeah exactly <laughs> you get your hour a half an hour a day or whatever <laughs> it was worse than prison at least prisoners do get right? that i'm <laughs> oh fucking quarantined how did it work with with food um they just would like knock on the door which scared me every fucking time <laughs> and then <laughs> especially when i was sitting there like naked or like in a face mask in a kimono just chilling and then i hear yeah. a knock on my door it startles me um yeah, they just drop it at your at your door and then you open the door and you grab your food. You don't really see anyone. The only people I saw was like the nurses that gave me a COVID test twice. And yeah, that was it. Wow. It's strange. So what, did, Although the food, like you just great. like you have to order your own food, like like kind of thing? Or do they provide you anything? Can. You can get like I had mates that like brought me stuff um to the hotel, which was really nice. Um but you can also order, I think you can order room service or like Uber Eats or something. Okay. Um, but they do have like a meal plan that they just like give you food, which is free. So they just like give you food, like three meals a day. Yep. Uh, but there was this uh, time like when like the fire alarm. Yeah, just, it's literally prison. <laughs> that is what it is. <laughs> you, sorry, you were oh, saying it, it, there was a time. Oh, yeah. So like one of the days they had like a fire alarm test and first of all, it scared the shit out of me just in general because you think there's a fire, but then it has the thing that says, this is a test. This is a test, whatever. Like they make it very clear it's a test. Oh, so that weird. happened. And then, yeah. But then later that night, 
I was once again naked in my kimono with a face mask on, a towel <laughs> on my head, like hair just washed. Everything was like, go. And uh, the fire alarm starts going off. And I was like, oh, it must be another test. And sure enough, like no voice was saying this is a test. It just kept going and going. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, like now there's a fire. Sick. So I'm like, well, I'm not going down like this. <laughs> so I like put some jeans on and like try and get dressed in some kind of way. Meanwhile, this fire alarm's just like belting. And I pick up my laptop and open the door. And I go outside to the hallway and there's just like everyone is out of their rooms. And we're all just kind of like, what the hell's going on? And then the security guard just starts running down the hall being like, everyone get back in your rooms. It's a false alarm. Get back in your rooms. Wow. So it felt like just like all the zombies had like woken up and like come out into this hallway. <laughs> right. We were just getting told to like go back in. Everyone's and, covering oh their eyes, you know. Yeah. Like, like, oh, my like, God. Oh, my God. Human contact. Yeah. That's, that was super weird. Yeah. And then what hap- What would have happened if that guy didn't come running by and then you all went outside and like then what is it another two weeks is like extend your sentence probably yeah <laughs> oh my goodness so so that, insane yeah that is uh. crazy wow <laughs> wow well then you got back and then you put out a record um okay yes sorry okay. that was a huge tangent no I, I, like the, I love the tangents i i love it <laughs> And, and I've heard you say before that you literally take nothing seriously except your music. And so far that seems Pretty to be much. the case, you know, from what I've judged <laughs> about your personality for whatever 10 minutes or whatever we've been speaking for. <laughs> A good judgment. Yeah. Uh, I try not to take things seriously in terms of like the band and stuff. Like obviously there's a level of seriousness that we do take it because it is our lives and our job and like what we want to do. But in terms of like, all the extra shit it's just like there's no point in being a serious bumhole it's so boring <laughs> and like everyone's serious like just over it i don't want to put full stops at the end of my sentences okay like i just want to chill <laughs> yeah no it's good well, so, yeah. i could tell from your personality but you know you talk about lp3 being important well you just released lp2 which yeah. in my expertise i would say lp2 is by far the most important record of any band's career of course well i think any record really is but number two particularly because like everyone's scared of like the sophomore slump and all that kind of thing which we heavily like that was basically the main intention was to just not have that (laughs) right exactly yeah i know yeah Um, that's but that's the thing though is is if you're too worried about that then maybe you're going to you know play it too safe, you know? And you guys didn't yeah, I wouldn't say you played it safe with the record at all. So talk cool. to me about what went into, you know, the process of of this, you know, let's just call it this album cycle. Like you you finish the LP1, you know, cycle where you do a lot of touring, you know, obviously you you've learned so much about each other and about the world and about yourself. And then here you are with okay, we can't fuck this up and we got to do good, but we got to write these songs and we got to record them. And like, how exactly did you prepare for that process? How was that process? And, uh, yeah, walk me through that. Um, it was a lot different to, uh, the first album because first album we had like designated time to write it. And then like, it was just a big chunk of time where we just went into the studio and wrote, 
all the 10 songs. That was like, I think it was like three weeks. We just wrote them all. Um, whereas this one, we were trying to do it, like weave it in and out of scheduling. And um, so some of the songs were written in LA and then there were some that were written on like a cliff in Bondi um, in Sydney and some were written in the studio. Like it's, it was very all over the place, which kind of reflects the actual sound of the album as well, which is weird. But um, yeah. yeah, I think we definitely needed to know as much as we wanted to experiment and try new things, we needed some kind of like direction of like what we wanted to get out of it and create because otherwise um, like we just didn't have the time to waste. So we needed to make every kind of thing count. Um, so yeah, I think having like a clear direction was super important to us, even though like we were experimenting heaps, we needed to have like at least some kind of conceptual direction or, um, yeah, like we, we just need to know what we wanted to get out of it, which was to, we wanted people to like, be like, Oh, (laughs) and I think that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's always interesting with, you know, how how does a band go from, okay, you're like a kind of a smallish band, like you're maybe playing first or second on a bill, you know, maybe on a pretty big tour or, or whatever, to, okay, we're going to headline those rooms in a year and a half. You know, it's always an interesting <laughs> thing that has to happen that isn't always the same and isn't easy to figure out the steps to make that happen. Obviously, there's no tour right now. Um, it's safe to say you would be playing some pretty big rooms right now, um, which is must be so <laughs> such a mind fuck to not know like where you're where you're at, you know. But oh, dude, I know. But regardless, you know, the numbers speak for themselves, and you see that that people are are really listening to this record, and you know, Spotify and all that. It's doing really well. And I guess my question is, did you think this was going to happen when you kind of came up with this? You know, you talk about the conceptualization and the songs. Did you really think that this was going to be where you were going to be at this moment? Um, do you mean like outside of COVID? <laughs> Yeah, like, like I mean, fuck COVID, <laughs> like fuck yeah. It. Okay. So we'll pretend COVID, COVID doesn't exist. But yeah, I just yeah. I think I just mean like forget about the shows, forget about what you would be doing, but just yeah. the the your fan base, like they're still there. They, they, sure, they can't go see sure. you live, but they're still you know commenting on your posts on social media, and they're still you know maybe sending you messages saying like this song really means so much to me and thank you for writing it and not to mention just maybe the label's super happy with how the record's performing you know those kinds of things yeah um it's hard because obviously like you hope for all these things and um I don't think we ever expect like one way or the other we kind of just have an idea of what, how we want it to go. And then we do those things that will hopefully help us get to that point. So, um, I do think that if, if you told me like last year, how this album was going to go and like how well it's been received, I would be like, fuck. Okay. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) But like, cause you never, you never do know, do you? And like, when we had the album like mastered and mixed, I was literally there like, oh, should we have this song in the album? Like I was still doubting it. Like I'm just the worst for that kind of thing. Right. Um, and then 
um, to finally have it out and like people be as receptive of, as they have been. Like, no, I d- like, I don't think I would have expected this. No way. Yeah. No way. <laughs> well, what it was a year ago. Well, a little more than a year ago now you were doing the sad summer tour, right? In America. And you know, yeah. that was kind of a, that was a really, actually a really successful tour and did really well. So yeah, you know, put yourself, I guess, in that, at that time. And now here we are. And obviously the world has changed so much. Um, not mm-hmm. in a good way. But, uh, Unfortunately. <laughs> but hey, but the music is, uh, is great. And, and that's, that's awesome. So you grew up in Sydney and yep. you still live there, but you were spending time in the UK. I was, I'm confused by all this. Look, aren't we all? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I moved to the UK in like December Oh, okay. Um, but there was stuff going on, like my visa or whatever. And cause I was in and out of the country so much like with touring and whatever. Um, I didn't really know like what was going on with my visa. So I had to come back home, um, to Oz. So it was like a short lived living in UK. I, I was like there from December till about July and I had tours. we had tours in between. So it was like, I felt like I was there, but I wasn't there. But I feel like that's the same with being at home as well. Like I'm here, but I'm not here, if that makes any sense. Um, So, I mean, yeah, that's that on that. So for the foreseeable, I'm in Australia because our borders are closed to the shit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So I can't really do anything. Yeah, exactly. What made you decide Um, to move to the UK? Because I, I like, well, I'll just say this. I prefer yep. Australia much more than the UK personally. <laughs> Dude, I know. There's so many benefits about Australia. Australia is a fucking sick place. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The main reason was, well, it was pretty much the only reason was just because my partner's over there and I wanted to be with her. So um, it didn't make sense for her to come to Oz just because in terms of like music and um, right. she's in a band as well. So it's like touring being a touring musician and moving to Australia is probably the dumbest financial move you could ever make in your life. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah. So I just, yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm the kind of person who where like, especially with like our lifestyle, like touring all the time, it kind of like, doesn't really matter where my base is as long as I have one. So, um, I was like down to move there and be with her because it meant we'd have more time. I think that sounds that sounds great. Well, that kind of leads that kind of leads me really nicely into my next question. You know, uh-huh. um, you know, you grew up in Sydney. You know, I kind of wonder what it was like for you. You know, obviously your upbringing there. You know, Australia is still a great place for music. There's a great music scene, but so many bands have trouble making it out because being from Australia is the hardest country to get international acclaim because it's so hard to leave. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about, you know, your, your early kind of, you know, uh, foray into music and, you know, what was your family structure like and, and how did it kind of lead into, you know, being where you are now? Um, well, I don't know how deep you want me to go. Oh, deep. Very um, deep. Uh, so my parents were both like creative. Um, my dad was a musician like back in the fucking eighties and he was like a successful touring musician uh, in Australia. 
Yeah, but back then it was way easier to wait, make money because you fill the pubs out, you get paid a thousand dollars a night, and like that was his life. Um, and he was a he was a great musician and whatever. My mom has always been into like acting and stuff. She does voiceovers for a living now. So, wow, that was kind of like my yeah, that was my up, upbringing in a way. And like they separated. Well, yeah, they separated when I was like eight or nine. There's some other shit that I won't go into, but, um, basically, yeah, I just grew up with parents that were super supportive and I'm very grateful for that. And Jono was the same as well. Like his dad is a, um, he, ah, fuck, I keep forgetting if it's trumpet or trombone, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, he was like, he's a really successful, um, touring musician as well. Still, he still does it. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I think we were we were very lucky in that way um, that we grew up with parents who like just accepted what we were going to do. Um, and uh, Sydney was a cool little like breeding ground for like new, especially for like the music we listened to, like pop punk or whatever at the time. Um, there was quite a strong like scene and like a local scene. I mean, and everyone was like interconnected and stuff. Um, and then as things kind of, as we got a little bit older and we wanted to kind of like take this to the next level, we just decided to like book a day with Stevie Knight, our producer. Um, didn't know him. I was way too scared to write with anyone because I thought I was just so shit. And he, me and him got in the studio and then we wrote like the whole EP, uh, the Sidewinder EP. Yep. Um, together just based off like my voice notes and him and it was like something I'd never experienced before and he gave me so much like confidence in myself as well for like writing and all that kind of shit and then um we realized that we're in Australia and we're gonna need a friggin' label to uh help us do literally anything um and luckily we somehow managed to get our manager at that time who we'd never met or anything. And Jono thought he was trying to rob us. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you never know. Yeah, exactly. And he was from the UK. So he had like uh, quite a few connections and stuff. And then somehow we ended up with um, a deal from Rude Records. And that was it. Like that was, I think it all just comes down to like having that EP that wasn't shit for once. And um yeah having a team around us for the first time ever who like believed in us and wanted us to succeed. Cause we were so used to just being like pushed to the side in the local scene. I feel like we were just that lame band that no one wanted to have a bar of. And there were people who our manager like sent our EP to before it was released. And uh, they would come back and say, no, this band's not going anywhere, blah, blah, blah. So we'd like hear that. And it just, A, makes you think, wow, that person's a fucking worm. Right. And B, <laughs> um, just it pushes you to just prove people wrong like that. Yeah. And then as soon as we did something like a value, those people came straight back. Like, it's crazy how that works. And we weren't even doing anything big. It was like we got one tour that was cool. And those people like came straight back and were like, excuse my French, but on our dicks. You know what I mean? Right. No. <laughs> No, um, Classic <laughs> no. Well, you know, um, Australia is, it's a small world, you know, I mean, music, yeah. the music scene, you know, you mentioned pop punk or whatever. That's, it's small anyway, but yeah. when you take into account just 
one country of whatever it is, 20 million people. And then, you know, it's the, obviously you're, you're in the biggest city, but I would argue maybe Melbourne is a bigger city for music in Australia than Sydney is. Definitely. So, you know, yeah. you, you have such a small community there that, you know, it's, it, it, I feel like if it isn't going to happen locally and, and it's kind of the same where I'm from in Canada, you know, if it's not going to happen locally, you got to look elsewhere and you got to say, well, you know what? Fuck 100%. these people. I'm just going to go to the person that really calls the shots that, you know, in, in your case was a, a label in Europe that gave you guys credibility. And for, for Silverstein, yeah. it was a label in Chicago that gave us credibility. So it, it really is. I think there's a lesson there for, you know, aspiring bands, you know, that that. Just, just you have to show yourselves that there's so much more out there than just you know your fucking block, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I think like being from Australia in general, like we already had the assumption that like to do anything worthwhile, we're going to have to get out of here. Um, but you can't right. really get out of here until something's going on here for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like. Yeah, I don't know. I think the fact that Rude even like came on board in the first place still blows my mind and like just having the opportunity to leave this country and go and make a name for yourself elsewhere and leave the leave that local scene mentality behind is like it's super important and uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so grateful that like we were able to leave cuz so many bands just can't. No. No, it's true. The The amount of bands we toured with over the years, you know, that, that we, you know, we do an Australian tour and then we'd have, you know, local support because flying one band to Australia from, you know, outside, you know, internationally is expensive enough, okay. but flying two is even, even worse. So, you know, we get these local Australian bands. Some of them were awesome and I'd never yeah. fucking heard of them before. And I was yeah, like, these bands shame. are awesome, like, but they're at such a disadvantage because, you know, geographically challenged. How are they going to get the money to get even just the flights? Let alone when they get there, they have to sort out their gear, and then they have to sort out like like transportation. You know, one of the bands that yeah. we became pretty good friends with, you know, you know, this is like almost fifteen years ago, I guess, was uh, I killed the prom queen. You know, and yeah, they were dude, killing it band. in Australia. <laughs> they were killing it in Australia, and it was still, yeah. it was still difficult for them. You know, to get yeah. tours outside and and really make it happen. You know, and it's uh, it's it's it sucks. Like it's, I thought I thought we had it bad <laughs> it in Canada because you know it, we can't cross yeah, the border but, that easily. We have to get like visas and all this shit to get into oh, America. True, of course you do. But you, you know, do, do you know you guys not have like a like a two-way system or something? Oh, no. I always thought that. No, not really. We have like sort like a thing you can do. It's you can get a, a visa, it's called a P2 visa, which is I guess it's yeah. mostly That's only what we for get. Oh, you get a you get a P2? I think so, yeah, or P1. Oh fuck, I don't know. Yeah, P1 P2. is different. <laughs> P1 is yeah. P1 is the one Yeah. Yeah, P1 is different than P2 or something. I, I don't know, but we have sort of our our own system for, for Canadians, but it still sucks. Like, you still have to pay yeah. tons of money, and, you know, it's it's like, it's not super above board the way that, that most bands do it or whatever. So, you know, it, yeah, it's just really, really tough 
And yeah, and with Canada sure. being Canada is very similar to Australia in that, you know, we have like you guys have like four major five. Uh, I mean, sorry, four or five major cities. Canada is about the same, really. Yeah, that's about all we have like in this massive country. Canada and Australia are quite um are quite similar in a lot of ways. I always yeah. feel like whenever we like meet Canadians, I feel like we get on with them so much more than we do with Americans. No shade, but <laughs> a little shade. Like, a little shade. A little bit of shade. Fuck it. Fuck it. Um, no, yeah, I, I think like, you're right though, and that's that's always been yeah. I've always vibe with with Australians too, for sure. No question. Yeah. Just more chill. I don't know. Did you you really sell your toenails at the merch table? Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, So, like, yeah, we, me and my tour manager, like, we always kind of, like, are just trying to one-up each other. Like, we have this joke that we just hate each other. Um, And uh, he, I I did something dumb and he was like, I bet you I could sell your toenails at merch. And I was like, right, fuck you. I'm going to make you do this. And so I cut my toenails off. (laughs) I cut them all and I get, I threw in a couple fingernails in there too. And uh, I put them in a cup and I go, here you go, Kenny, sell it. (laughs) And so he literally just did it. And they didn't go for a small price. I will say that. Um, I heard $50. Dude, yeah, for toenails. Are you joking? And I'm like, that's a lot of money. Like, this person isn't just going to throw them out after, are they? Like, you can't just spend 50 bucks and throw it straight in the bin. Like, it's fucked. So, like, what are they doing? I'm still waiting right. for something weird to happen to me. Right. Um, it's, it's, very, yeah. it's very creepy, actually. It's so, Where, what, it's uh, so what city? Do you remember what city it was in? Oh, God. Um, it was, oh, my God. I was it, it was in America? Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, of course, I was in America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're trying uh, to say, but <laughs> no shade, no shade. <laughs> um, yeah, it was in Baltimore. I'm pretty sure. Baltimore, oh, man, the Dirty B. Yeah. There you go. The Dirty B. No, Is I, that I what love, they call it? No, I just made that up. I, I don't. Well, maybe it's a thing. I just made that up. But I mean, Baltimore. So you know, the sheltered life that I lived growing up in Canada. I think Baltimore yeah. was the first time, like the first city I ever went in where I was like really actually scared. Baltimore, really? Oh yeah. Baltimore, when some of the venues we used to play, um, I mean, maybe you played the auto bar before. Uh, I don't know if maybe you played the nicer places. Like if you're down by the Harbor and stuff, it's actually really nice. But if you get, okay. if you don't have to go too many blocks away until it's like pretty scary. So Dingy, you know, yeah. like where you have to scream your subway order through bulletproof glass and, you know, oh, for fuck's sake. You know, stuff like that happens in, in Baltimore. Yeah. So, so I, um, I have grown to really love Baltimore and the, the people especially. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a it's a rough town. There's no question. Yeah. See, I've heard, I've heard that before, but I think every time we go to Baltimore, we don't really venture out too far. So we're just kind of like hanging by the venue. But I do remember going to a pizza shop there and this dude was like asleep just on the counter. <laughs> I was like, yeah. bro, can we get a pizza? <laughs> um, <laughs> I still think though, like the scariest place I've ever been in the US was Detroit. Um, we went oh. to like, <laughs> so we went to go pick up some, like, uh, some, some candy, <laughs> some drugs, um, some weed. And we uh, were in Detroit and it was just me 
my girlfriend and um, Josh Raven from uh, The Fame, who we were touring with at the time. Um, and we went to this first place and they were like, you need a permit to um, like buy this. And we were like, oh, okay, shit. And she was like, then she like brought us closer and whispered in our ears being like, but if you go around the corner, just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and we're just like, okay. And so we're like, well, we've got heaps of time. So let's just fucking go. So we got an Uber, went to this place and literally all of a sudden it was like everything just went to black and white it was so scary it was like all of the houses were just fucked like they were just oh, yeah. decrepit and like it we were like we are in the wrong side of town we're three like just privileged like people just like walking in here we're gonna like die and it just felt it was so scary and like you said like bulletproof glass like right where um, in like the service station. Um, and it was like super confronting and like, yeah, I've never seen anything like that before yeah. in my life. Well, I live, was sick. <laughs> I live in, I live in Canada, but I actually live yeah. only about 10 minutes from downtown Detroit. Oh, hell yeah. So I, nice. yeah. So that's my hood right there. I, uh, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm in Detroit all the time. Cause I literally like, you know, Detroit is right on the border and I live right across yep. and, um, I'll tell you this though, Detroit is a hell of a lot better than it was. Let's say, just say, ten years ago. Like it is, dude, it dude. has gotten so much better, and actually, parts of it are really, really rad now. Yeah, like where we, where the venue was, was like cool, and um, I had like one of the best coffees I've ever had there. <laughs> like nice. it was super nice. Yeah, but we just went into like the wrong end of town. Like we were just like, yeah. we went like quite far out. It was like half an hour out or something. Yeah. So yeah, we who'd cooked have, it. But. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Yeah, who'd have thought the places that they sell drugs might be a little sketchy? I know. I'm like, <laughs> just bewildered. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, the point of my, my question about the toenails uh, wasn't to uh, go, where we, go where we went. <laughs> uh, well, maybe. But honestly, it's just about your fan base, you know, and how yeah. the fact that they are rabid – and maybe someone bought that as a joke. Maybe they actually thought it was cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, hopefully we find out one day really what happened. Um, <laughs> I would love for them to tell me oh, what it they would did take with one, them. It would take one Twitter, like one Twitter uh, message be like, so remember when this happened? Like, where are those at now? I guarantee you get a reply. Someone would track track that person down. But, you know, you've got. This people people that are so rabid about your band, they're buying your toenails. You've got this Pink Elephant Club, which, from what I understand, has really exploded. You know, you have so much. Um, uh, you're so close with your fans, and a lot of bands they they want to keep them at arm's length. They really kind of, you know, they want a little bit of mystery. Where it seems like your band doesn't really subscribe to that. You, you kind of let your fans in and you let your fans really see, you know, kind of, you, you pull back the curtain for them a little bit. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a bit of like, obviously you have to keep some kind of like some stuff, obviously, but like, I think in terms of like our fan base and stuff, it's just so easy to like get to know them, I think. And like for them to get to know us. Cause we're not really like, uh, uh, I don't know. We're just not those kind of like private people in the first place. Right. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I can't really explain it. It just kind of happens. And like, we, we like interacting with them and like talking to them because, you know, they're the ones like 
keeping us afloat and they're the ones like who even give us the opportunity to do anything. And so like just to kind of ignore them is just seems kind of dicky, but um, I don't know. We do try and keep the mystery alive just a little bit, <laughs> just <laughs> enough to keep coming back. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It is, it is important to us that they like understand their like value to like this band. So I think that's yeah. where kind of like, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about that. We just kind of like to <laughs> like to keep them involved. No, I, th- I mean, I think it's good, especially, you know, and this is maybe something that, you know, you're not going to go right out and say, but I'll say it, you know, <laughs> with, with, you know, you guys being a relatively new band, you know, on your second album and now not being able to tour, being stuck at home, you know, at least this is some way to, you know, make ends meet, keep afloat, also be creative, oh, sure. also, you know, give something to your fans. It's it's almost like really important that you're doing this because otherwise, what are you going to do? Just sit around and and wait until whenever the fuck they say we can tour again? You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's really good that you guys are this way. I think the way that the trends are going, especially in the last five and a half months, are that the artists that are more into working with their fans on, you know, things that are a little outside the box, they're going to mm-hmm. be much further ahead than the bands that are trying to, you know, be old school and mysterious and, and you know, make a record every two years and tour and that's it. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and COVID definitely, like, made us just – it kind of, like, rattled everyone, as I'm sure. But – um yeah, for us, it was like, fuck, okay, like, we've got this record coming out. And like, yeah, we do need to make ends meet, of course, like, we don't want to get back to touring like next year and have to do it in a golf buggy, like, <laughs> that's gonna suck. <laughs> um, so we were like, yeah, and, and we did want fans to have something to something consistent as well that they can like, rely on during this time because like no one knows what the yeah. fuck's going on so I think at least like to be able to like have a band that you really like constantly releasing like um like consistent content or like being there for you in that kind of way like I feel like fans will remember that and um I mean we might just be the COVID band to them but it doesn't matter <laughs> it's okay um but yeah anything to kind of like help them through the time is sick and but also back yeah. to that like mystery thing or whatever I just feel like social media forces everyone to like be open and like you need to know everything about everyone and if you don't then you're not important or something like that and it's like is there like a fine line now like where there's mystery but also you know everything about the person like I just feel like with social media it like encourages you to be open and like talk about everything that's going on in your life and if you don't it's weird or is that just me no I I don't know I agree with you (laughs) it's totally and yeah and I do fucking hate it like don't get me wrong I really hate it (laughs) yeah you know what you kind of gotta do it when was the last time you talk to a singer of a band that didn't have like didn't have an Instagram right like exactly that's, I don't that's, think I know anyone there there must be some still hanging on you know but yeah yeah like it's it's not you know and if you're going to be on sure there's people that don't post much or don't say much or whatever but you know yeah it's still 
that's still there. You know, I, I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, there was nothing like this. So it's no, really, it's just such a different world now. And I think the bands that are choosing to, you know, it's just, just embrace it are the ones that are going to be better off, you know, especially now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we got told to make a TikTok and stuff. And at first I was like, fuck off. I'm not joining that shit. <laughs> and then we joined it. <laughs> oh, well, I like. I'm. I don't want anyone to see me dance. The only dancing I do is like head banging. That's that's as far as I go. So no way. I just I just eat onions and uh, tell everyone that Big Bang Theory sucks. Perfect. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So I have I have a another question here. Um, I wanted to ask you. So you did sure. the songs that saved my life compilation that Hopeless put out, and uh, mm-hmm. Silverstein. We we did the the latest one. And you, oh, okay. co- you covered your graduation by Modern Baseball, a song yes. that was released in 2014. You know, you were already mm-hmm. Stand Atlantic at that point, I think, right? Yeah. You know, when Just. when most artists think of, you know, a song that saved their life, they kind of think of something from their formative years, you know, maybe like mm-hmm. when they were a kid or something. But I, I thought that was a really interesting choice. To go with a yeah. song like that, and you know, I know a lot of the other artists on it. Most of them chose, you know, older songs. For sure, um, I think our mindset for that was: uh, first of all, we had no idea what the heck "Song That Saved My Life" was. Like, we were all new to this whole thing. Like, we just signed Hopeless, and they were like, "So, do you want to be on this compilation?" We're like, "Uh, yes, <laughs> okay, yeah." Um, and uh, but I also think, like, you know. I think we're all we've always been that kind of band that when we we want to go against the norm, like we just everyone does that. So we're like, well, yeah. we're not going to do that. We want to stick out, um, and not to mention, like we wanted to pick something that hopefully our fans would know. Because I don't think I think a lot of our fans are like younger, and yeah, they might not listen to like modern baseball. I guess the crossover is a bit weird there, but like. We just wanted it to be more of like a relevant song, I guess, in in that kind of aspect. And that being said as well, modern baseball in general, like I listened to them a fuck ton when I was going through like just a, an emo like <laughs> situation in my head. And right. uh, like that, the, the, it was genuinely like a band that were really nice to listen to that I really got into like during that time so like there was it was, it was an authentic choice it just happened so no. it happened to be one that was no. like exactly um, I think yeah. that that's that's why I wanted to ask you because it's it must be authentic right you know it's it's not sure. the 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 thing everybody would do is pick some cool band from you know the 80s or the 90s or the 70s and be like oh yeah this is a cool song or or this is like a band you never heard of so i thought that that choice was really interesting and you know it's funny because i know i never really listen to modern baseball like i know i kind of know what they sound like i think i've seen them play mm-hmm. at a festival or something but i actually heard your version of that song before i ever heard theirs oh I, I heard the <laughs> i heard the <laughs> heard it and i was like I don't think I know this song, you know, I'm expecting to, you know, I'm expecting all the songs covered to be, you know, some sort of a classic. And I'm like, I don't know this. And then I went back and listened to theirs and I was like, I don't know. I think, I think I like Stan Atlantic's better, you know, which is is like kind of a funny little twist, you know, on that kind of a thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
yeah, that's really cute. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, you also did a Juice World uh, song for Like a Version, which uh, yes, we did for Triple J Radio. Did you have to do that actually live and actually at like eight in the morning? Yeah, it was actually at eight in the morning. Fuck it was that. Yeah, I woke up. I had like four hours sleep because I did the classic. Oh, I need to go to sleep early, and then couldn't sleep. And yeah. then the more you can't sleep, the more anxious you get about not sleeping. Uh... So I was like up at six a.m. and like we did the thing. I had a hash brown, treated myself, and then just <laughs> went in and tried not to fuck it up. So yeah, it was scary time. No, the like any time I hear about a band having to do early morning radio or TV yeah. or whatever. And it's like bands already sound like shit live on <laughs> TV or on the radio. The radio is even worse because like, Oh yeah. Because on, on TV, at least there's a visual component where like your sensory yeah. whatever's are focusing a little bit more on like what you're seeing, not just what you're hearing, but mm-hmm. radio, mm-hmm. it's literally, was it just radio or was it like a, uh, maybe they streamed it or something too. Right. But, I just know Triple no, J was, is radio. Yeah, it was radio um, at the time. And then later they like release a video right, that they've right. done. Exactly. It, yeah. yeah. So that's that's like, that sucks. I just, every time I hear about that, <laughs> I like to vent about my own experiences with that kind of thing and, and hopefully get people on my side being like, yeah, fuck that. Because I've never had yeah, anyone be like, happen. I've never had anyone be like, oh no, no, it's fine. Like, yeah, I just get up like a, a couple hours before and then I'm good to go. <laughs> no one ever says fuck that. Off. No, never. <laughs> Dude, those people need an orange thrown at them. Like, that's so <laughs> fucked. I don't know how you get, like, I wake up and my voice is like three octaves deeper. Like, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. No way. And I don't know how I even managed to, like, scrape through on that, like, even to this day. I think adrenaline just, like, did did its fucking thing and helped me out. But, yeah, I, normally I don't think I could, I could ever do that. Yeah. <laughs> No, fuck, fuck that. I'll see your orange. Yeah. I'll raise you a tomato. I will throw a tomato Thank you. at those yeah. people or a tomato. However, you guys probably say it. you probably a say tomato. tomato. All yeah, right. Well, tomato. Hey, I got one last fan question and then I think that that's going to be it. Unless you have anything okay, else to tell you. the people. Did I miss um, anything? No, but I, uh, no, but I will say that, um, <laughs> just a little side note. Um, my heroine was the first like guitar riff I learned by myself really and yeah it was the best shit ever and once i nailed it i was like this is the best day and like that was one of my favorite songs for so long oh my so, god well, just thank, to well say thank you <laughs> i i wrote that riff fuck yeah you did so, you fucking did <laughs> i i wrote that it's funny because that's you know that's on our second album so i wrote that yeah. riff i had like just the intro um written and i had it for like a long time and i really didn't know yeah. what to do with it you know, I was like, it's so good. Well, thank you. It's it's kind of difficult to play, actually, because it's got a weird yeah, the timing is. is kind of weird. Like you expect yep. to be going one way with the pick, but you're kind of going the other. But yeah, I, I was like two years, I think, like it didn't go on the first album. And that was like two years later. I finally put that song together and it, you know, became became like our most popular song, I guess. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty cool. I, I <laughs> Just like wanted that. To, to let you know. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I, I I am very I'm blushing a little bit right now. That's very cool. Oh, <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah, but no. Other than that, uh, I guess I just want to say like thanks everyone for like 
listening to the album because there's a fucking scary time releasing it and writing it. So. All right. Well, yes. Yep. Well, thanks for doing this. Okay. The final question is a fan question from Shelby Roberts. And mm-hmm. she asks, does she ever get overwhelmed being one of the only female fronts in fronts in a band where the scene is dominated by mainly dudes also has she ever been compared to other females in the scene well i bet you have yeah i mean that's inevitable isn't it yeah but um no i never feel overwhelmed i think it's lit i like being the only one no one else come (laughs) it's just me no i'm joking (laughs) um no, I don't get overwhelmed at all. I think it's cool. But at the same time, like, it'd be nice if there were more ladies. But I do think that there are becoming more and more all the time. Like, I think people just need to look for them and support them and then they'll find them. <laughs> no, there's there's so many great female fronted bands or even, you know, like Make Them Suffer, another Australian band with uh, Booker Nile in the band. You know, she's playing keyboards, oh. but also like killing it, doing some backup vocals. So there, there's... Dude, like, I never knew that. There's tons of bands. There's another... What's that other band? Yours Truly from Australia too? They're oh, yeah, female yeah. Female fronted band. So there's... Yeah, there's, there's tons that people maybe, you know, obviously people know fucking Paramore and all that and Paramore is amazing, yeah, but, cool. you know, there's so much more if you look, you know just a little bit below the surface. It's it, not, yeah. not that far. Just like go to your Spotify and just press like one extra button. Like I'm sure you'll find someone like yeah, no, they're they, around. Is there a girl button you can just push? Maybe there should be. Push <laughs> the girl button. Girl fronted. <laughs> Give me the girl bands. Why not? Yeah, I know. Right. Just press the boob button. <laughs> I didn't say that. I did not say that. Sorry, I said it. It's fine. <laughs> Bonnie, thank you so much for this. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to play a song for the people. Which song from the new record shall I uh, bust out? Ooh, um, oh, fuck. Great question. Uh, let's go for just, I reckon, Blurry. Go blurry. blurry. Let's do it. Here yeah. it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you so much. No worries. Like a bunch about a mean reason, little parts of me. Body, so it up to start 
So there is blurry new music from Stand Atlantic from their brand new album, Pink Elephant, which is out now. You should definitely go listen to it now because this podcast is pretty much over. If you want to listen to more podcasts from me, we got like 200 and something episodes. There's a lot. They're all pretty good. I've enjoyed them. We're going back five years now. I said that in the intro. It's like blowing my mind now that five years I've been doing this. It is very cool. If you're new to the show, make sure you're subscribed. I don't want you to miss all the great episodes that I have coming up. And check out the All Access Club. If you have the means, I highly recommend it. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash All Access. And that's about it. If you're in Southern Ontario, don't miss the Silverstein Drive-In Show this Friday. It's going to be So, so cool. That's all. I'll see you next week. Peace and love.